I was drunk and foolish enough to answer it. French and the Cherokee had raided along the Blue Ridge. The English settlers had sought refuge at Fort Charles. By the time we got there, the fort was abandoned. They'd left about a week before. But what we found was... Go on. They killed all the settlers. The men... With the women and some of the children, they had... We buried them all, what was left of them. We caught up with them at Fort Wilderness. We took our time. We cut them apart, slowly, piece by piece. see their faces. I can still hear their screams. All but two, we, we let them live. We placed the heads on a pallet and sent them back with the two that lived to Fort Ambercon. The eyes, tongues, fingers, we put in baskets, sent them down the ash load of the Cherokee. Soon after the Cherokee broke their treaty with the French. That's how we justified it. We were heroes. And men bore your dreams. Not a day goes by where I don't ask God's forgiveness for what I did. We are in in the message series called My Dark Side, and we've been looking at some of the things that kind of lurk below the surface of our lives. And so this morning what we're doing is we're looking at an issue, another issue, which is guilt. And if you saw this movie, you, you recognize before up to the scene there was a lot of tension between the father and the son as far as things they don't talk about. And dad here, he, he lets his son in on some of the deep, dark, shameful things that he had done in his life, putting some things together. And many of us carry around all sorts of extra baggage in our lives, things that haunt us from our past, things that we have done. And looking back at those seasons... And those feelings, when those feelings come up inside of us, that emotion of guilt, oftentimes, you know, we just, we wish we could just start over. We wish we could just rewind the tapes and do over the entire season. Um, in this series, we've been looking at things of that nature. Talking about our dark side, last week we began looking at just the overall idea that in centuries past, Christian writers were very, very familiar with the fact that we have a very, very broken dark side to us. But today, in current Christian literature and writing, it's so much positive self-talk that sometimes you begin to forget about how capable we are of, of doing some pretty despicable things. And so, last week we looked at some of the passages where God said, hey, do not forget who you are. 
Do not forget where you came from. Do not forget the things you, you used to do. It's as if he was saying to us, don't fool yourself into thinking, hey, you're invincible. You've really arrived and you're beyond all of that. Because the truth of the matter is we're all very, very broken. There's things that are still lurking inside of us that, that if we give in to those desires and pulls in the wrong direction, man, we could just do devastating things. And we all kind of do occasionally, you know, we say something or we think something or we act on something and we wonder, where did that come from? Where exactly, I said something, where did that come from? Like this week, I was in my growth group and I said something off, like just, it was it was wrong, inappropriate, wrong. And the Lord convicted me of it. And I was like, man, where are they? Right in the middle of a group where we're trying to like grow, the growth group. And I say something, that's, I had to clear it up with the men that I was talking to. And, but you, you ask yourself, where does that come from? Jesus says this. Jesus taught that we live from the heart. Everything that comes out the mouth, it's, it's coming from the heart. There's a part of our heart that is still very dark. Look at this verse in Matthew 15. Jesus said it this way. This way. He said, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, all of our words. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, out of the heart comes murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. The heart is where we live from. Everything we do, everything we say, essentially we dip down into our heart and it comes out. We can't hide the things that are in our heart because eventually they spill out, don't they? We know this is true. God spoke through in another place through uh, King Solomon, the wisest man of his day. He said this about the heart. He said, keep your heart, this is Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance. It's a word we don't use often. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The word vigilance, it's a Hebrew noun that basically means custody. Keep your heart in custody or in confinement. It's a word that means lock it down, guard it carefully. If you've ever been in custody, then you know you're behind bars. You're, you're monitoring you know, people that are behind bars. They're monitored. They're watched. This is what Solomon says about our hearts. Lock it down. Guard it carefully. It's capable of doing some hurtful things. So one of the best things we can do is not just to filter our words or try to rearrange the things we do out here, but really is to monitor what's going on inside of our heart. That's one of the best things we could do is monitor our hearts. If you're a parent, one of the most important things you can teach your children is how to monitor their hearts because you and I, we live from the heart. And that's one of the things that kids need to learn as they grow older, that their actions are not just arbitrary, but they're flowing out of the heart. Parent, mom, dad, it is, it is your responsibility to help your children understand and monitor some of the things that are going on inside here. Don't just, don't just deal with behavior alone, but try to get below the behavior to the heart. The problem is most of us ignore the stuff that goes on in our hearts. The problem is most of us, we, we think that our hearts are good. We're convinced, when you think about a heart, like if I just had a big red heart, everybody would feel great. You look at a heart and you feel good. You smile. A heart is, you know, when you see a heart on the wall on Valentine's Day, it's joyful, it's pleasant. But the Scripture says kind of the opposite about the heart. Look at Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, he wrote, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? A sick heart infects most areas of our life. Our hearts are infected 
There's this sickness and no one is safe. No one in our lives are safe from the damage that we can do because of our sick hearts. Our coworkers aren't safe. Our spouses aren't safe. If you're dating someone, they're not safe. Your friends aren't safe. Those that we really love, they're not safe from the sickness of our heart. Those that we don't like at all, they're, they're even less safe. They're already not safe. Now they're even less. We already don't like them. Now our heart stirs up even more against them. Our bosses, our leaders, our children, no one. So what we're doing in this series is we're looking at five emotions and desires that are lurking in our dark side, and we're looking at them one by one. So today we're looking at the area of guilt. And before we really look at this area, most people associate guilt with the church. And so in case you're like, oh, I know this is what we talk about today. This is, every time I come to church, we talk about guilt, and I feel guilty. And a lot of people avoid church because of the area of guilt. And it's kind of funny because Bruce didn't have the title of my message midweek. And so in, play, in the bulletin, it actually just says message on guilt, which I think is funny. It's appropriate. Message on guilt. If you came for that, you're here. You came to the right place. You know this? I avoid church because the preacher gets up there and he tells me I've got a sick heart. And he tells me all these things that I know I've done and I feel guilty. And then they pass this basket around and I feel guilty about that. And then i just rather not feel guilty. i just rather sleep in, play golf. i just rather go shopping. But here's the interesting thing about guilt. In the Scripture, God never uses guilt to leverage people to get them to do what He wants. Jesus, in His ministry, as He interacted with people, he never, Jesus never leveraged guilt in order to get people to do what He wanted. This is very, very different from what you read about in the Scripture and what people experience today. In the Bible, Jesus was one of those people, He's the only person that could have, because He was God, He could have just went, as He interacted around with people, He could have just went guilty, 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 guilty. Because He's God, He knows. But He never did that. He never leveraged guilt in order to make people change or in order to cause people to repent or to turn away from the things they were into. You know what's interesting is, is generally guilty people who leverage guilt to make, other do, to make other people do things. You might have to think about that a little bit. but Guilty people are the ones that typically leverage guilt in order to get people to do what they want. If you're currently in an environment where people are using guilt or manipulating you to change or to turn around, if you can, and it doesn't violate a contract or a covenant, you probably should get out of that environment. There's some, there are some relationships that we have that you can't necessarily walk away from. You're committed, and so you can't get out of that. But if you're in something by your own choice where you're just getting nothing but guilt and manipulation, then and you can get out without breaking a contract, a covenant, I'd really encourage you to get out because guilt is never, ever a healthy thing when it is used to get us to change, to get us to, to do what God would want us to do or what others want us to do. It's interesting in Scripture, the Bible says in Romans 2, verse 4, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God's kindness is what leads us to turn around, to let go of things. It's God's kindness that draws us to change. It's not guilt, it's not manipulation kind of sidetracked there on the area of guilt, but guilt sometimes keeps people away from church in general. And so if that's been you, you know, I, I really hope that, <clears throat> oh, well, let me apologize, for the church at large, you know, for the Christian church, we have, I think, across 
the board at times used this area in order to get people to do. And so you may have experienced that in your days in church, wherever you've been. You may have experienced that. But don't allow guilt to be the motivating factor for you to be a part of a church. But what is guilt? Guilt is this feeling of remorse. I feel really bad. I'm remorseful. Or I feel responsible for having done something wrong. It's remorse or responsibility for some offense. I've hurt someone. I've said somebody, I've said something hurtful. I've stolen something from someone. I've, I've yelled at someone. I've talked bad about someone. And when we're into guilt, it causes us to think this. I owe you. Because I did something. I did something wrong, so now I owe you. Guilt is a sense of, I owe them, and so I tend to avoid the people that I owe. If I feel guilty because of a relationship, I don't want to see that person. If I feel guilty every time I go to church, I don't go to church. And then you bump into me at the market, and you feel guilty just seeing me. I owe... You know, there's, there's these guilt experiences that we have where we just feel like, oh, I've done something. I've offended and I've, I've done something. And if we don't resolve the guilt, man, it just eats away at us. Guilt over time eats away. And it feels like a weight. I've got my backpack here full of books and stuff. And, man, guilt, this is how it feels. It feels like a weight or a burden that we just carry around. This is why whenever we confess... You know, it's like, oh, it feels like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. When we, whenever we confess, it's, it really does feel like we've relieved something. We've relieved some pressure. But here's the part that we don't anticipate. Whatever, you know, the weight that I pick up in high school and that I don't deal with, I carry it on with me on into college. And the weight that I pick up in college, if I don't deal with it, if it's unresolved, I carry that on with me on into my marriage. You know, the weight that I pick up in my marriage, man, I just carry that on into all my relationships. I'm, I'm carrying around all of this guilt, this weight, this pressure. The weight that I pick up on that business trip, I carry that home with me. People are not safe. It starts impacting my relationships. Carry it with you everywhere you go. And you may not even see it. People see it. People can see there's something different about you. And oftentimes we put this guilt on, and we wear this guilt and becomes a part of us, and it leads to shame. Guilt is, I was wrong, and shame is, I am wrong. I've bought into this. It becomes a part of me. I don't let go of it. When you're ashamed, when there's shame, it really is. You've owned that now, and you believe this is who you are. This describes you, that offense, that shameful experience. And again, we tend not to see it in ourselves but other people can see it in us as we're carrying this stuff around. I want to show you another video clip. That first clip is kind of a man clip from The Patriot. This is a ladies' clip from a movie called The Mean Girls, or Mean Girls. And there's a high school assembly, and the high school counselor, he addresses, or she addresses, the whole assembly. And I guess there's a lot of relationships that are having problems. And so this high school counselor begins to address the issue of some of the guilt they're experiencing. So let's take a look at this. Okay. Uh, everybody close your eyes. Right. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever had a girl say something bad about you behind your back. Open your eyes. Now close your eyes again. 
And this time, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever said anything about a friend behind her back. Open them. Uh, it's been some girl-on-girl -girl crime here. Okay, so what we could do today is a couple exercises to help you express your anger in a healthy way. Uh, let's start over here. Miss Norbury had us confront each other directly about the things that were bothering us. And it seemed like every clique had its own problems. You've been acting really stuck up ever since you switched to short fielder, and Don agrees with me. Don? Don't drag me into this. I'm pitching tomorrow. Okay. Good. Can I just say that we don't have a click problem at this school? And some of us shouldn't have to take this workshop because some of us are just victims in the situation? That's probably true. How many of you have ever felt personally victimized by Regina George? Good. Okay, who's next? Who's next? Um, hmm. Katie, do you have anything you want to own up to? Yes. No. You never made up a rumor about anybody? Just that you sell drugs. No. Nothing you want to apologize for? I couldn't apologize to Ms. Norbury without getting blamed for the whole burn book. No. I'm really disappointed in you, Katie. You might think that you have done a good job of hiding things in your dark side, but the people around, they recognize there's something wrong. There's something that's not normal from what they've experienced. And if they begin to confront you, they experience this edge. When you're interacting with someone who's carrying around a lot of guilt, it starts, again, no one's safe. It starts spilling over. And so they experience this edge, and they begin to wonder, and then they might confront you and say, hey, what's going on? I noticed this edge. Or, hey, you're really... And then we think, well, that's just me. That's my personality. Because, again, we're, we're owning this. This becomes a part of us. It begins to change us. We, we don't take responsibility for it, even though other people see it. So how do I get rid of this? The big question is, what do I do to deal with guilt? You've got to drag it into the light. There's two things, really two options for dealing with guilt. The first one is you return what was taken. Like, if you can, if I've offended someone by taking some point, something from them, then I need to give it back. That's the obvious thing. I take it back. I return what I stole. I, I pay it back in some way. But how do you do that? The big question is, how do you pay back a relationship? Like, when I've really blown a relationship, I've really son, said some hurtful things, done some hurtful things, and, and how, do I, how do I make that right? Years have passed. How do you pay back someone for years of mistreatment? How do you pay someone back? That's a big question. If it's impossible to return what you owe, then what you must do is you must ask the person to cancel the debt. You must ask them to forgive you. And those two ideas are wrapped up in this, in this one word, confession. It's a word that we often misunderstand, the purpose of it, the nature of confession, but confession breaks the power of guilt. Confession publicly 
When we, when we bring things up, it breaks the power of guilt. It's like shining this big spotlight into the darkness in our lives, and it has the power to just free us from th- some things that are lurking. And if you're looking for a way around confession in order to release or relieve you of your guilt, then you're not going to find it. Confession is the way. We must confess openly to the people we've actually offended. And I want to illustrate this with some different verses. When you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you discover that the Bible has far more to say about confessing to one another than it does just about confessing to God. But we live in a culture where we think, I just need to confess it to God. When I've done something wrong, if I've lied to you, then I say, God, I'm really sorry that I lied to Bruce. He's my coworker. We work together. And God, I, I lied to him again. God, I lied again. I'm really sorry. I'm not going to do that. Tell Bruce I'm sorry, God. I don't want to do that anymore, you know. And I interact with him. I do it again. Oh, gosh. I blew it. God, I lied again. I'm so sorry. Or I lied to her, and I'm really sorry, God. Would you, would you help me not to lie to her anymore? I don't want to do that. Or if we don't confess it to God, then what we typically do is we confess it to a godly person. So we go and we confess it to a priest, or if you were raised in the Catholic tradition, or if you're a part of a more Protestant church like this, you know, you might confess it to a pastor or to a youth pastor. And you dump all that you did, and you have this long conversation, you confess it all to the, to the person, and then for a moment you feel great. You know, it's like you, oh, I feel so much better. I feel great. But then after a week or a month, it, it somehow is back. You're still holding this guilt. You're carrying it around, and you're like, wait, I confessed it. I confessed it to God. What did I do? So Scripture comes up, and it really points us to the missing piece of confession. Scripture teaches that it's not just about confessing it to God. We actually have to go and confess to the people that we have offended, to those that we've hurt, to those that we've sinned against. Take a look at some of these verses. And this is the first place where you're going to find it. It's in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a woman or a man breaks any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed. And he shall make full restitution for the wrong, adding a fifth, that's 20% to it, and giving it to whom he did the wrong. God is saying, whenever a person sins against another person, whenever I offend or hurt someone else, I don't just need to go and clear it up with God, I actually need to make it right. Ask that person to forgive me for what I've done, and then if I can, I need to make restitution. That's what this verse is talking about. God never says, just make it right with me, and then I'll make it right with them. He never says that. We have this idea and we patch a verse onto it. 1 John 1, 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so we use that verse as a way to escape from having to confess to other people. It just says confess it to God, we think. But if we look at all of Scripture, we realize that confession is oftentimes a public thing. It has to come to the people that we have hurt. Sometimes we think, well, I, I, I tried to get it right. God, I really tried. I'm really sorry. I'm going to try again. And we, again, we just steer around the right person that we're needing to be talking to. Zacchaeus was a man who was a tax collector. He interacted with Jesus. And in his uh, time with Jesus, at one point, he was convicted of his wrongdoing. He was cheating and ripping people off. And so Jesus goes and, you know, he has this meal with Zacchaeus at his house. And there's this, like, 
spotlight on Zacchaeus' guilt, and all of a sudden he feels compelled to get things right. Look at what he does. Zacchaeus stood up, he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus doesn't stop him and say, Zacchaeus, it's okay, you just need to tell it to me. He doesn't say, wait, Zacchaeus, just bring it to me and then I'll make things right. You know what happens is when Jesus sees that he publicly confesses it and then he makes restitution to pay people back fourfold, he makes a statement, salvation has come to this house. He says, this is real change. This is a person who's a new man. He's really changing. In another place, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24, he gives a scenario. He says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, meaning you've brought your offering to the temple, this is the highlight of your year, to bring your offering to the temple as an act of worship. This is the highlight of your, your year, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. He says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Like you've done something to offend your brother. Don't give it, he says. Don't just go through the motions and give this offering to God. Leave it there, he says, and go. First be reconciled to your brothers. And then come and offer your gift. He says, confess it first. Get it out in the open. Confession, it takes it public, he's saying. Over in the book of James, therefore. James says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. The same idea. Not just between me and God. If I've offended someone, I need to confess to the other person. It would be neat if we just apply that right now, wouldn't it? Just turn to your neighbor and start confessing. You're like, I'm not going to do that. Don't worry, we're not going to do that. But it says, confess to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The word healed. Healed? Like, there's something sick? There's something wrong with me? There's, there's something broken? Yes, there is. And the only way to clean up what's on the inside is to take it to those on the outside. That's the only way we find freedom from this Emotion of guilt. Don't get fooled into this common misconception. You see it on the back. The goal of confession is not just feeling better. We often think, I just need to confess so I can feel better. But that's really not... It's not about just clearing our conscience. The goal of confession is a changed life. That's what God wants us to begin to change. That's what true confession does. Confession to God alone will not change us. Because we didn't just hurt God, we hurt each other. So true confession takes it to those we've offended, to those we've hurt. Are you just confessing over and over and over again to God, and yet on the inside you feel like you're rotting? You just feel like the guilt is not going away, and you feel like I'm just dying on the inside. I'm getting worse. My condition, spiritually, physically, I'm just not getting any freedom. Then it's likely you're holding on to some things that need to go to other people. If you want your heart to be right, then what you have to do is you have to begin to to bring up some of that embarrassing stuff, some of that incriminating stuff, some of that stuff you'd much rather deny. For example, you're a college student. Let's just assume you're a college student. There may be a few of you have been here. Let's let's say you you take a cheat sheet into a test. It's a math test. You take a cheat sheet into the test and you use it to your advantage and you get an A. Teacher gives you your paper, you go, I got an A. Woohoo! You walk in out of class and you realize, man, that was wrong. So you get back to your room and you realize it was wrong and you think, God, and you tear up the cheat sheet. I'm never going to use that again. And God, I promise I won't do that again. And if you don't tell anyone, 
I won't tell anyone, God. And I'm really sorry. I don't want to do that again. A couple weeks later, humanities test. You cheat in humanities test and you feel really bad so you go home and you confess it to God. God, I blew it. I cheated again. I'm really sorry. Please help me. And then, you know, next week's biochemistry and you cheat in biochemistry tests and you just keep doing this pattern over and over and over and you're just cheating and cheating and cheating and you're not really changing. And the point of true confession is we need to understand that when we're sinning, it's not only unto the Lord, we sin against others. We need to go to the person. So what do we do? We build up the strength and we go to the teacher. And we say, you know what? I'm bringing you this paper that you gave me an A on. I want to let you know I cheated. Didn't deserve the A. They're going to look at you and you're going to look at them. And I guarantee the next time you show up in class and you guys make eye contact, and he gives you the little like look, it's going to change things. When we start confessing to the people we've impacted, it changes things. When we just confess it to God, something doesn't change within us. And you might be thinking, well, that's not a big deal. I'm not a student. Some of you are students. But some of you, the stakes are much, much higher, and you're thinking, I could never come clean and confess some of the things that I've done because of how it would hurt those that I love. If I came clean to my husband and my wife, do you know how bad that would hurt them? Do you know how ashamed I'm going to feel and how do you know how guilty I am the truth is you've already hurt them confession doesn't hurt people sin hurts people concealment hiding is what hurts people sin is not or you know confession is not what does the damage we've already done the damage what we often do is we don't want to deal with it because we don't want to deal with the consequences. And so we run from the consequences, but inside it's slowly killing us. And we're carrying around all this guilt, all this stuff we're never going to deal with. And that creates a real problem for us in all areas. And you might be here this morning and you're thinking, you know what, that's really where I'm at. I've got this stuff that I'm concealing and I've been carrying around and I'm tired of it. I'm ready to release some of these things. And so, if that's where you're at, here's some steps. The first one, confess to somebody. Maybe God has been bringing a word to mind, something you've done, or a relationship that you have damaged because of something you've done. And you need to get that out there and begin the process. So confess it to somebody. It may be someone who's disconnected and you just feel like, I need to just confess this so that I get it outside of myself. And then that person will likely lead you to this next step. Confess it to the person you've hurt, to the person you've actually offended. Meaning, call them up. Meet with them. Email them and say, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I need to clear something up with you. And then when you have that meeting, take full responsibility. Don't justify it. Don't pin it on them. Don't say, well, if you hadn't have, I wouldn't have. Just accept responsibility. You know what? I did this, and I am so sorry that I did that. Would you forgive me? And be specific in that confession. This week, as we were prepping for this series, last week I encouraged you to just spend some extra time just preparing your heart that God would bring things up that need to be dealt with. And one of the things that God brought to mind involved a relationship from about 15 years ago. And there was a few different things that God brought to my mind, some guilt that I, I needed to deal with, attached to some things that I had not confessed to those people. And so one of those things was 15 years ago. And I thought, man, it's been so long. At the same time, I knew I've been carrying this around. Sometimes the thought comes to my mind. 
when I see this person, I feel guilty. And I was like, I am going to deal with this. And so on Facebook, I found this person, send a little message and say, would you give me a call? I just want to talk to you. person called me. We had a conversation. I cleared something up. And at first it was like, it's no big deal, I was told. And then we talked about it. And I just said, you know, it really is. I'm looking back at that season of my life and just kind of stating the thing, the things that I needed to confess. And, I, and then the person said, you know, I, I appreciate that. That meant a lot. You know, it meant a lot to them because it was still impacting. It, our, our sin, the hurt, it impacts people. And sometimes we think, oh, they're probably over it. We're typically not over it. We carry this stuff around, don't we? We, we carry around this extra baggage. It leads to a life of shame where we think we're just guilty people. God wants us to find freedom from this stuff. Man, when I hung up the phone, I, I, it, it freed me from that guilt. And even though I had cleared that up with God years ago, I'd never taken the step of clearing up with the person that needed to be cleared up with. The third thing here is make restitution. That's what you find in the Scripture. The best you can, if you can, and you can't always do it, but if you can, I'd encourage you to do it. Cody's going to come up right now, and Cody's going to lead us in a song. He's just going to be playing silently for a few moments. And while he's playing, I want to encourage you to... I mean, it's very likely that as we've been talking, and even over the past week as we've been preparing for this message, maybe God has brought some things to your mind that are from your past that have not been cleared up. Maybe things this week, maybe things this month, last year, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And you feel like, you know what? If I'm going to find freedom, I've got to allow God to... I've got to shine the spotlight on that dark sin, on that area, on that offense, on that hurt, on that relationship and what I did to damage it. And, and as he's playing, I want to just encourage you right now, just bow your heads. Just bow your heads. We're going to pray. And I'm going to just kind of lead you through a prayer and then we're going to have a moment of silence to allow God to speak to us all. But as your heads are bowed, how are things going on inside you? Don't look around. Don't look at your neighbor. Just spend some time asking this question. How are things in my heart? Is there something I'm carrying around that's just breaking my back? Is there guilt that I'm carrying over things that I've done that is just robbing me of joy and years? With your eyes closed, just ask God, God, would you bring things to my mind right now that I need to find freedom from, that I'm guilty of and I'm carrying that guilt around? Let's just pray. Take about a moment or about a minute and we're going to pray silently just ask God to bring things to your mind If something has come to your mind, maybe a word, maybe something specific, kind of that most pressing thing, or there's a bunch of things possibly that has come to your mind, what I want to encourage you to do is begin the process of stepping out of that dark place by making a commitment to confessing that to the person that you've offended. 
And the way I want to symbolize this this morning is I want to encourage you to write down the word on that. You were given a little piece of paper as you came in, and hopefully you still have it. Maybe write, write that name down of the person or write the word down that you did. Just that offense, that hurt, that thing you're carrying around. And as we're singing this next song, I just want to invite you to come up and just light that thing on fire, get rid of it. This is like a different kind of paper, just so you know. It's not going to catch anything on fire, but it kind of makes a bright light. So don't jump when you do this, but when you burn it, it just kind of... It didn't burn my hand, though, don't worry. It's a little hot, but I do want to let you know I'm okay. I smell a little bit now. But, but we did this last service, and many people, as we're singing this song, just joined in. And what you're doing by... By lighting that on fire is you're saying, I'm going to begin the process of getting it straightened out. I'm ready to get freed from the guilt attached to that thing. Now know, know this, when you burn that, it's not all done because this is just the start of the process. This is me saying, this week, today, tomorrow, I'm calling that person, I'm meeting with them, I'm picking up the phone, I'm going to do something about that. So go ahead and stand together and we're going to sing this song. And at any point during this song, just feel free to walk up. And all you got to do is hold it above the flame. Don't, like, just blanket it with it, because then it might light on fire. But, but let's sing this together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me.
freed from. You bled and died, Lord, so we could live in your freedom, the freedom you bought with your precious blood, God. Lord, as we've just kind of made a commitment right now, many of us before you just saying, I'm going to deal with this stuff this week, today, this week. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage, Lord, to pick up the phone, to get the ball rolling, send an email, to go knock on that door, to call that person up. Lord, I pray that you'd Again, we ask you for courage to do these things, to follow through, Lord. We love you and we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. And in just a moment, our ushers are going to be coming around and receiving our offering. And on the back of this connection card, if you take this card out one last time, on the back there's some next steps I'd like to draw your attention to. You might want to check one of these, just areas to focus on. As we head into the week, the first one is list out condemning thoughts that bring or stir up my guilt and shame. Spend some time thinking this through. What am I most guilty of? What are, you know, spend some extra time. We kind of, you know, we only have 30 minutes or so in here. And so maybe you just need to go to a park and sit and walk through this whole area. What am I carrying around? Another thing is determine what needs to be confessed to God. And if needed, initiate contact. This is just what we've already been talking about. I'd encourage you to be as specific as possible. General confession is not going to deal with the guilt. Going to someone saying, Hey, I just feel like I need to say, How you doing? Sorry. Good talking to you. That's not going to relieve the the guilt. Be specific. Hey, I feel horrible because I said that to you five years ago or last week I said that hurtful comment to you about you in front of those people and you were there and I know that was hurtful and I'm really sorry that I said that. Would you forgive me? That was rude, that was unkind, that was harsh, that was manipulative. Depending on what God has brought to your mind, be as specific as possible. Have those conversations. Then, last thing is, attend the Lord's Supper tonight. One of the special things about the Lord's Supper is it's a time to just renew our commitment to to the Lord. For those of us who have made Jesus the boss of our lives. And so if you've decided to do that at, at any point in your life, made Jesus the boss, sin breaks fellowship. It doesn't destroy our relationship. God doesn't let us go if we blow it. But it breaks fellowship. And so when we persist in sin, we need to straighten those things out. Sometimes it is an issue between us and God. Oftentimes it's it's kind of a communal thing. And so clear it up with Him and with others. And so hopefully this morning we've got the process rolling to where we're clear to be able to take the Lord's Supper. Because the Scripture says this. 1 Corinthians 11 says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. It means when we come to the Lord's Supper and we take the the Lord's Supper, remembering His body and blood, it's it's a very, very precious time. We don't want to take that and have all this stuff that we're holding on to. Sin that's unconfessed or unresolved guilt because we don't want to clear things up. We're really not to take the Lord's Supper. If we do it in an unworthy manner, Scripture tells us, 
kind of drink judgment on ourselves. We bring harm our way in a sense. And so you can read the rest of the verses. It gets very specific. That's 1 Corinthians 11. But one thing I would encourage you to do is if you've got the process going, then deal with things today as the day goes on. Show up tonight and let that be just kind of a statement of I'm clear. Before the Lord, I'm clear with others to the best of my ability. It may not have patched all the relationships because you might forgive or you might ask for forgiveness and they may not be at a point where they're ready to, to fully move on. But do what you can do. So let's go ahead and receive the offering. Our usher is going to come around. Would you also, if you came with an offering that you would like to give to support the work of our church, then you can put those in the baskets. Please put this connection card in there. That white card just lets us know you are here. And we want to thank you so much for worshiping with us. And we're going to sing one final song as the offering is finished. Let's stand together.